Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Hello, hello, UVA Chi Alpha. It is so good to be with you this evening. So now I'm going to get myself set up here because I was on a compass on my phone, and we don't want to be on the compass. We don't want to be on the timer. So just want to <laughs> keep track of time here. But hey, UVA Calpha, it is an honor to be here with you guys. Again, uh, Pete, thank you so much for that warm introduction, and it is an honor to be here. And I'm, again, I'm on staff with Richmond Chi Alpha, and thank you so much for allowing me to be here tonight. It truly is an honor. Uh, I just want to say um, March Madness truly has been madness these past couple of days. My goodness. Um, what a tough outing. It's so sad to see UVA eliminated from the uh, tournament. It's very sad, and my heart goes out to you guys. As a VCU alum, um, VCU was eliminated um, a couple of days ago because of, you know, the whole COVID thing. Uh, So it's sad, but we get to be sad together, um, be on the outside of the tournament looking in with all of our brackets busted, and it's, uh, we get to do it together. We get to look at the tournament together outside, but you guys were reigning champions for two years. That's like amazing. Like, that's like craziness. Like, good job, guys. Like, reigning champions consecutive. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but hey, guys, tonight I want to talk to you guys about what it looks like to live out our identity in Christ. And before I get there, I want to share with you guys a little bit of my glory days of being a high school student. Now, I promise I'm not the guy who walks around with his high school letterman jacket talking about the good old glory days and things like that. But I was on the cross-country team in high school, and I was on the... Oh, see, there I go. Oh, my goodness. I was so scrawny. Oh, my goodness. That's like me. Like, the sun was in my face, and I was trying my best to smile, but the sun was just really in my face. Um, But, yeah, I was on a track team, and my events were the 400-meter dash, hurdles, long jump, triple jump. Um, it was a great time. And our team was pretty decent. We were pretty good. Um, there were people that were going to invitations, invitationals and um, the state meets. Um, that wasn't me. I wasn't that good. Um, I was mainly there for moral support, but um, it was a great time. And a lot of times after our meets, we would celebrate um, after uh, a great competition and get on the bus and celebrate as we got back home. But how did we get to that point? as a team, um, to being so successful uh, on a team together. Well, we had to live differently. We trained and practiced, yes, but it went beyond that. Uh, We made a lot of changes to our lives. We did because we saw the prize ahead of us, um, scoring big at invitationals and estate meets. So what did living differently look like for me when I was on the track team? Well, some of the things I had let go were Reese's peanut butter cups and eating blueberry muffins all day and instead eating more wholesome food like fruits and vegetables and decent protein. Uh, so I could fuel for the practices and the track meets. And rather than staying up all night playing video games, I decided to get a good night's sleep to be able to practice but also be, to be able to compete. Uh, even though I didn't have much to give, what I did have, I made sure that was fueled up and ready to go. It cost me to be on the team, but I gained so much living differently, being on the team. And my identity on the field and off the field was a 
Lloyd Seabird Skyhawk. And if I needed a reminder of who I was, all I had to look down, look at my white and blue shirt and look and see that I was a Skyhawk. It was my identity on the team. This isn't just true in sports. We can see it in other areas of our lives as well. We see it a lot in friendships. In order to know one another and truly be known by your closest friends, it's going to cost some time with others. Talk about sharing hobbies and, and setting aside time for one another, ultimately cultivating a true friendship that's deep, getting to know one another. You have to say no to other things, and even to, to some people, but you gain great friendships in which you're truly known by others. And to be truly known, it's valuable, like gold. Oh, what about your major, your career? When you choose a major in, in college, you are saying no to other majors um, that are offered, with a few exceptions like electives and general education courses for your first and second years. I imagine that you're taking courses that line up with the internships um, in your majors that you're kind of going into. The majors you choose, you choose to invest in fully. And it will impact you in your four or five years, but also beyond that as well. Take, for instance, kinesiology, exercise science. You're going to take courses in anatomy, physiology, nutrition. If you're an engineering major, you're probably going to take courses in dynamics, thermodynamics, calculus. You're going to be specific. You're going to be invested within those majors. And it's not good if we try to take shortcuts in sports or academics or other areas in our lives because it moves us further away from where we truly want to be and where we desire. But let's take it a step further. What about our spiritual lives? That question challenges me, and I imagine that it might challenge you as well. If you're like me, if we're not careful, we can get ourselves into trouble. We try to take shortcuts that ultimately lead to dead ends in our lives spiritually. For example, lying versus truth-telling. Uh, truth-telling to one another is living in a light. Jesus is the truth and the light. Choosing the truth may cost our ego, may even cost opportunities, but when we decide to be truthful with our lives in all circumstances, we mimic Christ. Lying, though, is our heart weaponizing our lips in an attempt to distort reality for our own selfish gain. There may be short-term gains, but it costs us when lies spin out of control and hurts others and it breaks relationships. This weakens our relationships. Jealousy versus admiration. Admiration for our friends and for their successes costs us our attention to ourselves in the moment, but ultimately strengthens relationships and builds others up and can produce a culture of celebration, a culture of joy. True admiration comes from a heart that is secure in an identity in Jesus. We can celebrate others because we have the affirmation from our Heavenly Father. Jealousy in our heart is from insecurity with ourselves based upon what others have around us, or with the dynamics of social media, what we perceive others to have. Jealousy in our hearts produces comparison, and this is costly, and it, we <clears throat> and it weakens our relationship. And the list goes on and on. And our decisions to choose those actions or attitudes, again, comes from the brokenness in our hearts. So when our decisions come from taking our cues from the world and the brokenness around us, it leads us to broken hearts, which leads to broken lifestyles, that leads to broken relationships, and so much more. And I'm vulnerable to all of this and more, and 
think we all are. But there's hope. Tonight, I want to point us to this great hope, the reality that we can transform. Um, and it's more than just behavior modification. Instead, I want to point us to the identity of Jesus and how he's brought us to life. He can bring us to life from death to resurrection. He's the only one that brings transformation to how we live because he first transforms us into who we are and giving us a new identity. By living in Christ, it will cost us. But in living for him and with him, by his spirit, we gain so much more than we could ever imagine. And so tonight, we're going to take some time and dive into the book of Ephesians and to Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus to learn how we can, we're called to live differently. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Before we do that, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, we um, open up our eyes to you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, open us up to your word. Help me to communicate, Lord, what you want me to communicate, God. We have our ears open. We have our heart open, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, because we're listening. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we dive into the passage, I'm going to give a little bit of context. Paul is writing this letter to the first century church in Ephesus to remind them of their new identity in Christ, to live differently, that practically looks different than how they live. Again, not out of behavior modification, because, but because they're new people all together in Jesus. Paul is explaining what that looks like being in the community of believers. So let's start in verse 17. Paul says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they are, have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first thing we see here in Paul's letter is our identity in Christ is a new life. Our identity in Christ is a new life. In this part of the passage, Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus to turn away from the living of Gentiles. And what he means here is he's calling them to live differently than the society around them. This is the picture that the society that around them was living in willful ignorance to the truth of the gospel. The willful ignorance cost the Gentiles. It was leading their hearts open to the brokenness around them, leading them to the insensitivity to the gospel message, which, lead them, which led them to having um, their hearts lost. But in contrast, Paul points to the church, to the richness in the life of identity in Jesus. And it's the same for each and every single one of us today. It's the picture of a life that we can have brand new life in Christ, not just an edited version or curated version or a more ideal self for Instagram purposes, 
but a new life. When you become a follower of Jesus, you not merely learn about Jesus. You're in a relationship with him. We can experience freedom from spiritual death and darkness because we're in a relationship with Jesus, the one who is alive, victorious over sin and death and the enemy. You're in a relationship with the one who is seated next to our Heavenly Father, and he knows you by name. In verse 23 and 24, Paul communicates that part of this brand new life is the transformation of how we think and taking up our new identity, being renewed in the image of God. The reference point of who we are is not in who we are, but it's in who Jesus is. In verse 21, Paul talks about uh, how the church was taught in him. Paul means that all the aspects of living the Christian life, the decisions we make go back to our, our heart's identity in Jesus. All of what Jesus did and who he is informs and transforms all of who we are. I experienced being taught in Jesus' ways um, in a transformational season of my life. Um, so in 2012, um, I decided to follow Jesus. Um, after reading the Gospels and seeing who Jesus is and the invitation he gave to me, that he gave to me, I um, decided to follow Jesus. And it was an amazing um, experience. And the Lord has started to do some incredible things in my life. Um, but there were some things that... Um, happened um, in my um, personal life. Uh, my parents separated in 2008. Um, and my parents separating in 2008 had a lot of just different components dealing with that, just immediate family and extended family. But um, it was something that I carried along with oh, the screen. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, what happened back there? But uh, my parents separating, and that just caused a lot of a lot of difficulties. Um, but um, the more that I experienced Jesus' love uh, in my life, and um, my sophomore year catching a frisbee from Chi Alpha at VCU and getting plugged into Chi Alpha, um, I started to see how the community of Jesus on campus was interacting with one another, people forgiving one another, people going the radical way of listening to each other's stories. And it transformed the way that I viewed um, my situation. I had a lot of hatred in my heart for the situation, um, for my parents separating, and all that happened within my extended family. But as I continued to follow Jesus, as I recognized God's spirit in the community, it helped me to recognize my identity in Christ, and I'm called to live differently. So it wasn't me transforming the situation on my end or my heart. It was literally the presence of God in the community that transformed my life to, and how I viewed my family. And so um, there was a period of 10 years where I wasn't talking to any um, parts of my family, any on my mom's side and my father's side because of the brokenness that happened in that. Um, but there came to a point where um, I didn't want to live that way of having hatred in my heart. And so through the community um, that I had in Chi Alpha, I recognized that God gives us the power to forgive. And so uh, as of two years ago, um, they reunited with my extended family, which has been really, really awesome. And I think we have a picture here. This is my extended family, um, all of them who I haven't seen for at least 10 years. 
Um, and this particular picture is special because it was my grandmother's 81st birthday. And she turned uh, 81, and uh, she's my last living grandmother. And um, it's just really special to see what the power of Christ can do in a family. And then there's more to just our identity in Christ of like believing the right things. It's actual transformation that goes beyond any human effort. So now my family and I are walking in reconciliation with our extended family. And is it perfect? No. <laughs> no, there's, there's still things that the Lord is working on my heart. There's still things that the Lord is working on my family. But God is good. God is good. And he does amazing things when we open up our lives to him, when we place our identity in him and trusting him, even when we don't see the full picture. I don't see the full entire picture of what the Lord is going to do through um, this part of my family. But I know Jesus does. And that's all that matters, to trust him, to trust him, to place my identity in him and trust him that he has the full picture. Where there was hatred in my heart, now there's healing and forgiveness because I'm a new creation and I can live in that freedom. That decision, that decision to walk in forgiveness and receive healing cost me. It cost me to get out of my comfort zone of the hatred that I was in bringing up those old feelings. But what I gained was so much more. I have a heart and a mind that's transformed. So when I see the circumstances that happened in my family in 2008, I see God's redemptive purposes. And they're good. Always good. And so the hurt and pain and brokenness that I experienced is beginning to fade more and more and more. And I'm experiencing more and more of the goodness of Christ. And I'm seeing these situations filtered through God's redemptive purposes and plans for my family. It's a new way of living. Our identity in Christ is a new life. Let's continue reading. Let's pick up in verse 25. Paul says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. The second thing we see in Paul's letter is our identity in Christ is a call to living out the gospel story in action. Our identity in Christ is a call to living out the gospel story in action. After sharing with the church of who they are and their identity, he calls them to live out their identity with one another in action. And he gets specific here as he draws contrasts with the culture and society around the church. In light of their identity in Christ, Paul points out how the new ways they live point to the great reality of the gospel story. 
specifically here, I want to focus on the anger here. In verse 26 through 27, uh, the call not to sin and anger. Where there's anger in community, there is a sensitivity to what is righteous and unrighteous anger. Unrighteousness, unrighteous anger leaves room for the devil to bend actions towards sin. Because with, but with an identity in Christ, righteousness, anger prompts resolution to conflict and community. A community of believers living out in reconciliation to one another. Our identity in Christ means that we are not called to be consumed by our anger. Instead, our anger is to be a barometer that propels us to live out the justice, righteousness, and goodness of God. Over the summer, the Lord reminded me of who I am in him uh, when it comes to anger and sin. So I'm on the road a lot, guys. I'm driving a whole lot. I have a ton of stories of my car is breaking down, even the wheels of my car are just like falling off randomly, uh, almost losing my hand while trying to jack up my car on the highway on 95. I got stories to tell y'all. So everyone to see me, I'd love to tell you all my crazy car stories because I have plenty of them, but hopefully that they're all done because I've got my truck repaired. But if you're trying to hear a fun story, I got, I got some stuff to tell y'all. But anyways, um, Back in June, I was uh, just running some errands in the summer, and I was coming home from a long day, and I was on E, um, driving back home. That's another thing. I'm always trying to push the limits of how far I can drive on E. I need to stop that. I need to repent of that. But that's beside the point. <laughs> it was 11.30 at night, and the gas station that I usually go to closes at 12 a.m., and as I rolled up, um, the cashier looked a bit flustered and was moving behind the counter. And so I walked up and I pulled on the door and she was like, wait, wait, one minute. I'm counting some cash. And um, I was kind of surprised that the door was locked at that time. But she decided to lock it and uh, she was counting the cash. And I gave her a thumbs up like, okay, I'll see you in a second. You're going to let me in. It's going to be great. Um, so without any certainty that any of the other gas stations around were open, I decided to stick around. But then time passed, and it's 11.55, and then uh, as I'm standing there, the lady kind of looks at me and is like, we're closed. I'm like, what? What? You're closed? Wait, you said you're going to let me in. And she was like, no. And so she turns off the lights, and she just goes off. And I'm like, what is happening? This is so wrong. And in my mind, I just like envision like me just like yelling like you awful person you locked the door and you closed you lied to me why did you do that you were so mean i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna get in my car i'm gonna write you a bad google reviews let me look up this place Mm, i don't like you at all who is your manager i want to talk to your manager i was just thinking about all these things and so knowing that she just left i just got in the car i was like well i guess i gotta go try to find another gas station but i did and i pumped my gas but there was so much anger in me, and I was just so angry at her in ways that was not righteous at all. I was being petty. I really was in my anger. It wasn't that big of a deal. Was it inconvenient? Yes, but it was inconvenience. And so as I was driving home, like the Lord really put on my heart that I was letting my anger kind of get out of control there. And it was all out of an inconvenience that I couldn't get to the gas stations that I wanted to get to. And then I was getting closer to home. The Lord kind of put in my heart, like, not once did I consider what she may have been going through. How her day was. What's going on in her life. Nothing. It was me, 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 me. 
and my anger. And so as I got home, with everything that was going on last summer, I was like, Lord, um, I want to spend some time and pray for this, for this woman. I didn't know her name, but the least I could do is pray for her. And so the Lord kind of helped me uh, in that moment uh, to turn from myself and my anger to actually pray for her. Because that's who we are, right? That's who I am. I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have a new identity when we live in Christ. And so coming out of that example there of, of just anger, one of the things that I've kind of processed over the months afterwards is that I don't deserve to be forgiven for the brokenness in my sin, but the God of the universe forgave me. And the God of the universe who gave me, surely there's enough forgiveness to go around. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just a label. We're called to gospel actions that will look very different from the world. Our identity in Christ is a calling to live out the gospel story in action. But what about you? What about your identity in Christ? Your identity in Christ is a new life. What step can you take today to put your identity in Christ? If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you can turn your heart to him and trust in him in faith that Jesus has paid for your sins at the cross with the shedding of his blood and that you're adopted into his family by his resurrection. Throw off the old ways of living and receive your new life in Christ. You're his son. You're his daughter. And you're invited into his family. Or maybe you need to be reminded of this reality of a new life. The Bible is full of reminders of our identity in Christ. And the awesome thing is you guys have a core group. Each one of you has a core group that you can be in community with to walk with you as you walk out your identity in Christ, to live differently. Your identity in Christ is a call to living out the gospel story in action. What can you do this week to live out the gospel story in your community, on grounds, here in Charlottesville, or wherever you're at, online? Maybe it's getting out of your comfort zone and to pray for the person that gets on your nerves. Pray for someone that you don't get along with. And after you pray with them, reach out to them. Reach out to them. Start a conversation. We're, we're so separated from one another because, yes, there's, there's COVID and things, but let's not waste an opportunity. Our identity is in Christ. We're called to live different. And living different, with, it costs us. It costs us of our comfort, but we gain so much more. We bring heaven down to earth. We get to see a picture of what reconciliation looks like. We've been reconciled vertically to the Father through Jesus, and now we get to live out that gospel reconciliation horizontally. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting. Christ has forgiven us. And he gives us the power to forgive others as well by his Spirit. Maybe it's focusing on those who are vulnerable and need 
in your community. We were helpless without Jesus. And Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. In March 4th, uh, 2020, that was the last day when we had our large group worship service at uh, uh, Wednesday Night Live for Richmond Kyle It was the last time that we were to gather together in the normal, normal, uh, before COVID. And before we were all sent out, we, we, we prayed for those who were going on uh, missions experiences overseas and domestically. You know, I, I've, I've been thinking, like, all of us were being sent out. We were praying for one another, but we were praying for the, for the trips. No, but I think we, we were, the Lord knows we, we were praying for much more. We still are being sent out. We're sent out. Being people that represent Jesus, living out our identity in Christ, we have been sent out in our homes, online, and everything since COVID. We've been sent out. We're on mission. And there's a lot of brokenness in our world today. It doesn't take long to see it. But Jesus is bringing his kingdom here. And he's inviting us. It's going to cost us. Yeah, it's going to cost us our comfort. But we're called to live different. And what we gain in that is so much more than we could ever imagine. Charlottesville needs the community of Jesus. Charlottesville needs the community of Jesus to live out, to live like Jesus, to be who we're called to be, sons and daughters that place all that they are, all that they were, laying it down, knowing the cost and choosing Jesus because what we gain in him is so much more than what we let go. So it's going to cost us our comfort. But what we gain is a new story. Our old lives are are crucified. And we look to Jesus who suffered the cross and the empty tomb and he's ours and we're his living not for our own game, but for Jesus and in Christ. We find fulfillment in him, laying our lives down and our agendas down and picking up his. And we find that we know that he knows us. He loves us intimately. And we're made in his image. And the amazing thing about living differently is we live like him and then we love the things that he loves. And that's all people. We're called to live differently, to live our identity in Jesus. And it's the best thing that we could ever do. And this is the only way that we can be a blessing to the world, a blessing to Charlottesville, a blessing to the state of Virginia, to the world, and how we can make a difference. We can do it, and we will if we look to Christ. I'm going to pray one last time. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that you love us, Lord. And by your spirit, you give us the power to love others, to live differently from our identity in you. Lord, I know that there are those of us who are watching online or at the watch parties, Lord, that are searching for you. Lord, I pray that they would experience your nearness right now.
And Lord, I pray that no matter the circumstances, that they would, they would know. There's nothing that they can do. There's nothing that they could earn your love. But it's in surrender to who you are that we're called home in you. And Jesus, I pray for those of us who are weary and are tired. Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. Lord, help us to be a community of love and rest, pointing to you, God. Jesus, we love you and we respond by living differently, knowing the cost, because what we gain is so much greater than what we let go. And it's full of joy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.